So welcome back to the uh, Decipio Cubs podcast. There's just two of us tonight. So uh, I'm Andy from the aforementioned Decipio.com. We also have Sam. Hello. So Sam, where can the good people experience you other than here? Um, they can experience me at foxesfromuncledale.com. You're now a Chicago sports-wide site. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fellsgate. I have my own hockey podcast uh, known as Live from the Five Hole, uh, although this is our Space Madness season, so we just recorded a wrestling podcast, and next week will be our Bears preview, even though we only usually do hockey, because hockey doesn't start till it snows. Um, so that's where you can find me, but tonight, or wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, you can find me right here. That's exactly right. And... Um... Those of you who enjoy this fine podcast tonight, I'm going to record the first ever Decipio Bears podcast. Um, originally, it was going to be on its own feed, and then I decided that's dumb. So <laughs> it's going to be on this feed. And if you don't like the Bears, when it pops up, just delete it and just listen to the Cub ones or listen to both. Um, although, since we're recording them both tonight, I'm not going to launch them both at the same time because that also seems dumb. That, so, that's probably not the best idea. So the Cub podcast will appear first, then magically, maybe the next day, the Bears podcast will come. So you'll get pretty sick of me pretty fast. You've got a whole week to put the Bears podcast up, honestly. I mean, it's not like anything's going to happen during the last preseason game that matters. Yeah, they could fire another kicker or six. They could. They could, they could sign Carly Lloyd. As long as you give her five steps to kick the ball. <laughs> yeah, the- yeah, that was She's what they failed, they failed to point out about her field goals, as impressive as they were. You don't get five steps in the NFL. No. But I would wager a lot of money that she has a much stronger leg than Cody Parkey. Yes, the, absolutely. Well, the, the thing I looked for on that replay was how quickly the ball got up. And yes, she took five steps instead of two, or whatever you're supposed to take. Three, I believe. Three. So really, it shouldn't take her that long to learn how to shorten it down. To I wouldn't think so. Um, but it went straight up and yeah. far. That's what you're looking for. So I wonder that's, who the team was who wanted her to kick in preseason. I have a hunch. That's your kicking scouting report from from Decipio yes. right there. I have a huh. hunch that yeah, do it, you know? It was that it was the Bears. What do they have to lose? Yeah, Eddie Pinheiro's confidence. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to bleed podcasts here. Uh, but for me. You could solve this kicker thing by just scoring touchdowns. That would be preferred. Or drive within the 30, and then you're asking any doofus to make 35-yard field goals, which really any doofus can do. And there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. That's my football expertise for the day. So on the last last we met, a week ago tonight. Indeed. I declared the Central Division over. <laughs> Cubs had it in the bag. I still think it is. They've just decided to make it a little more exciting um, by letting the Cardinals give a false sense of security, giving them a three-game lead that they will cruelly rip back from them. Well, when I was thinking about this, I, at first I thought you were completely correct, agreed with you full, full-heartedly, because I thought, well, the Cardinals aren't going to get to play the Rockies and the Brewers the rest of the year. Looking at the schedule today... They do get to play the Rockies and Brewers the rest of the year. Yeah, their last, like, two and a half weeks is tough. 
but the run up to that is pretty soft. The run up to that now, the the Reds are in there, and I don't know if the Cardinals find the Reds as much trouble as the Cubs do, but we know they can be. Um, there's some Pirates in there too. It's not the daunting schedule I would have hoped for uh, to make up this gap. Although it's only going to be two games tonight, and with a possible with them having the day off tomorrow, it could be down to a game and a half, and then the Cubs get. Six, seven games with the Brewers over the next nine days, which is which is good for everybody because the Brewers are bloated and dead. Yes, just the way um, we like them. And then, yes, just the way we like them. In the middle, there's the Mariners. So that's more bloated and dead. And that's just Dan Vogelbach. Uh, yeah, exactly. Let me reverse that. Dead and bloated for my <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots fans. I don't want to. I don't want to appear out of touch by quoting Stone Temple Pilots. Um. So it's going to be closer than I want it. Uh, my Cubs instincts still are not comfortable with it coming down to six games against the Cardinals, which it probably will. Seven. Is it seven? It's one of those four games. Cub, there's four, four at Wrigley, then the Cubs go play the Pirates, then right. the three last ones down there in dog pit. Well, you'd like to think, and they probably won't because they've been this infuriating that, even if they win in that four-game series at home, a game up, if you left it three games up with a week to go, that's 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 almost done. You kind of only really need to go 500 against the Pirates and Cardinals from there. And the Pirates in the last week of the season ought to be in a state. Like, their bags will be packed. <laughs> they might not even all show up. Yeah, <laughs> you, you'd oh, wonder if they would. Did we have a game today? We just had <laughs> one yesterday. Yeah, you have one tomorrow, too. Damn it! But, but we're probably getting ahead of ourselves. There's a lot more in the immediate. Uh, oh, I don't think so. I'm not sure the no, Cubs. Gonna, I'm not sure the Cubs are going to lose another game. Well, I have questions for you. Until tomorrow, they <laughs> Jacob Degrom. Right, Jacob. Jacob well, hey, they, look what they did to Thor That's tonight. True. They gave him a whooping. And even if you lose to Degrom, if you take two of three on the road facing the two of them, and you get one. You know that's that's okay. Yeah, this is a. Assuming they don't blow a nine-run lead in the fourth, right? Which, this, is, this road trip already a rousing success. Let's not um, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth here. But I have a question now. Now, full disclosure, Mister Dolan, uh, I have been reading you for a very long time. I won't say how long because I don't want to make you feel old. Well, I know I hate it when people say that to me, but I have been a follower of yours for a very long time, and I usually came to you because you were always kind of level-headed and saw things for how they actually were. And being a Cubs fan these days, it's a lot of vitriol. It's a lot of swinging of emotions. You know, it's hard to stay on an even keel. Now, I was very angry after the three-game sweep by the Nationals, mostly because of the nature of it. But I know that when I get irrationally angry and everyone around me is getting irrationally angry, it's probably not that bad. And there's probably a much simpler explanation than this team sucks. For that, and I, I look back on it, at least the first two games, yeah, the first game, you know, uh, was that Lester, he just didn't have it, we've seen that before, whatever, that happens. Saturday's game was just very weird in that Carlos Quintana gave up five runs and four innings without, with one ball leaving the infield, yeah. uh, maybe two, none hit hard. And so, yeah, it was a, it was rough to watch because the Nationals never struck out. And they always make contact, and the Cubs struck out in some big spots. But 
On another season or another place in the calendar, would that just be one of those series that you go, eh, baseball happens? Yes. And especially when they almost beat Strasburg. So you only right. face one. That's the frustrating thing. Right. Getting swept by the Nats is not that big a deal in, in August. It is, though, when you face the desiccated corpse of Anibal Sanchez and Whichever Ross. Ross that is. <laughs> it doesn't matter which yeah. one. You know, if, if you don't win, ideally you would have beaten both of them. You really sh- you should have at least beaten one of them and to lose them all while the Rockies were laying in the fetal position and allowing the <laughs> Cardinals to just repeatedly kick them. Yes. That was what got everybody. It, it honestly had Castellanos hit the ball three feet farther in the bottom of the ninth of the 10th, and they win the yeah. one game out of that. Everybody relaxes, but he didn't, right. and then everybody didn't. Or if Hap I was actually, also pissed. If Hap actually gets that walk, that brings in a run. Yeah. Who knows where that inning goes? Some things go against you. Now, it, so it was easy to use that series as a referendum on the team. <laughs> like, and you, it was easy to do that because it felt like every little flaw they had was exposed. The bullpen had a bad day on Sunday, sort of. You know, their supporting cast didn't make contact. Rizzo was hurt. Contreras was hurt. The depth was exposed. You could say all that, and it's not necessarily wrong. But I don't know. I felt like it felt like a season-defining series, but it, it no series is season-defining. Like, there's a reason there's 162 of these. It's a giant picture. Yeah. Anyway. Well, especially since it was coming off a sweep. So you just won three right. in a row. Yeah. Which now you've good. gone to New York and won the first game and a half. Yeah, knock on wood. Um, so, yeah, it it gets easier to put it where it probably belongs. Um, but still, I mean, I think we're as equally as we're looking for a sign that they're going to play the way we think they should. We also are looking for signs that they're not. <laughs> and so when we see something like that, it's like, ah, fuck it, it's, this is not our year. To the point where a guy who writes for Baseball Prospectus has simply forgotten that they made the playoffs last year. <laughs> oh, True Blood? Yeah. Um, I don't know that he's... Well, yeah, I see, but I'm kind of with him. <laughs> like, to me, if you don't get in the main draw, you're not in the playoffs. Like, you're in the playoffs to the playoffs. Right, like, but it's hard to take... They, they had the... Most wins in the National League on the final day. Right. It's hard then to look at last year and go, see how terrible they were? Yeah, it's 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 very strange. It's hard for people to wrap their minds around, and I should be better at it because I've been saying this all season, but they did win 95 games last year, and not making the playoffs just has to do with geography, essentially, because they had to enter into a one-game playoff with the other best team in the National League, uh, record-wise. If you were to seed this, the Brewers and Cubs would have been one and two, yep. and the Cubs would have played the Rockies in a series or whatever. And would have hosted them. Would have hosted them. And so you're putting a lot of judgment and defining what that team was off of one bad game. Um, so you got to avoid that. But I, I, it was more the overall argument, which we've, is, gets trotted out over and over again. About. You also seem to forget that the Cubs did win the World Series. Yes. 
about how, oh, they traded Glaber and Jorge Soler, and they're going to hit 80 home runs, and wouldn't that be nice if the Cubs had it? Yeah, it'd be nice if they had every good player they've ever traded. Right. But that's not how it works. It's not um, how it works. You have to go back to when the time the trade was made. Now, I was not a huge fan of the Soler Davis, just because it was one year of Wade Davis. That doesn't mean I – and I was one of the biggest Jorge Soler fans in the world. I was not opposed to trading him because at the time – he was injury prone. He wasn't very good in 2016. He had a chance to stake the left field job to himself. Schwarber blowing out his knee in the third game of the year, or whatever it was, yeah. opened the door for Soler to just take that job. He could have just had it. Yeah, and he did uh, such a great job. They went and reacquired Chris Coughlin. Chris Coughlin, and they eventually had to move Zobrist out there. Um. So at the time, you're like, well, two of our, you know, you're not going to play Soler in center. Uh, they didn't want. They wanted to give the job to Almora, which is the real mistake here. But it would have been hard to argue. Okay, we're going to move Hayward to center, play Soler on right, and Schwarber on left because Jason Hayward would die. Uh, he would die of exhaustion by July fifteenth. So there did. There just wasn't a spot for Soler. Was he even on the World Series roster? I don't think he was. Oh, he was because remember he hit that. Um, everybody bitched that he didn't hit an inside the park home run in game. Three, he had that ball down the line that right, and then okay, okay. and he got to but, third. Oh, it should have been a home run. Yes, because that Jorge is going to leg that out, right? Because he's going to leg that out. Yes, his, uh, he would have so left he, it. He would have left both hamstrings at second base. Was was that his only at bat? Maybe he had one other one. So yeah, he didn't play very much. So again, it's easy to look back now and like, oh yeah, he looked great and left or whatever. But well, you know, and, and you can. I mean, obviously, they didn't have him the whole season, but they've. They they have almost the exact same player now in right field. Pretty much. And they traded nothing to get him. Right. So maybe we really shouldn't worry about the replacement cost of Jorge Soler because it didn't seem to be very much. As far as Glaber goes, again, at the time of the trade, it didn't look like he had a spot. Baez was here. Russell was here. At the time, we didn't know that A. Russell – well, some people knew that he was a dickhead. Maybe not this dickhead. Yeah. But it, we were like, well, it's his first full year in the majors, and okay, he, he's got 90, 98 RBI, which don't mean anything, but it's like that's a good jumping off point. Well, it's I, I think they w- you could have made a case that he would at least be the second best of that group. Right. And a lot of people would have thought it would be Javi that would be the third guy instead of right. the first guy. But it was, the, it was the timing of it, which was to win the World Series that year, they had to have Javi and Russell – Glaber, yeah. was, they couldn't have brought Glaber up and played him in second base. So no. they made the trade to win the World Series, and they won the World Series. And I don't like saying it because he's an asshole, but they don't win without a role as Chapman. Right. And my friends don't want to hear it. But, you know, there's no one else to get those outs in Game 5. And well, even I, Game 4 against the Giants, like that, you needed those. And yeah. he did it. Um, I, and I all I always say it that way that they would not have won the World Series without a role. And I got scolded today by one of my Twitter followers who said, "Stop saying that. Just say he was an intri- integral part." And I'm like, what? and I haven't replied yet, but I was go- going to say, "No, I say that because I mean it." It's true. They literally would not have won without him. Right. And maybe Andrew Miller. You know, okay. They got him I instead, mean, but you would have given up exactly the same. Actually, would have given up more. You would have given up more. Um, so they had to make the deal. They made the deal, and it worked. And why are we arguing about something that worked, for God's sake? Right. Yeah, we don't need to argue about something that worked. No. 
Um, and at the end of the day, as, as maybe as soon as next year when Nico Horner is playing second base, is anyone going to care? No. I don't think so. But I have more questions. I have more questions. Okay, I have I come like armed with stuff. And I keep going back and forth on this. Now, I've written a lot about Kyle Schwarber lately. He's got a home run tonight and a, and a, a double. And a double. And he's not Both striking out anymore. He's not striking out anymore. Now, you and I are two of the biggest Kyle Schwarber fans on, on the Facebook. Yes, you and me and Kyle's parents. <laughs> and, and Andrew Sieslack. Yes. Well, who, thinks um, he's, who thinks that Kyle's his son? Yes. And he might be. Um, my question. So. I, that doesn't mean I haven't sort of written him off. Maybe that's a little strong, but I've thrown him in the pile of supporting players of the core that just haven't been good enough. Because even with his recent hot streak, he's a slightly above average offensive player. He's worth like one war because his defense is not good. And you have this recent streak. Now, I still think he should be hitting leadoff because Jason Hayward is legitimately terrible at it. Yeah. and So... We've had the talk about Castellanos and Schwarber. Do you, will they have to pick one or the other? And if they pick Castellanos, Schwarber's got to go. And I would understand that, but at the same time, I would also hate to see him leave. I've, I've got the lineup figured out. How oh, do you? All have? fit. Yes. Okay. Okay, so we're moving Castellanos back to his original position. He's going to play third. Bryant's going to play center. Hayward's going to play right. Schwarber's going to play left. And pitchers are going to need to strike out Everybody. Everybody. And if they can do that, it, it fits perfect. Actually, if they did that, wait, I wouldn't want Kyle catching because if they're going to strike everybody out, he's got to be able to catch the ball. So he gets to stay in left. See, it's just how bad do you want it? What you need is for them to adopt the DH like yeah, pronto this winter. Actually, it would be not cool if they to. did it to, tomorrow. It would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that would help. They're not going to do that. No. Um, I mean, I would feel awfully uncomfortable moving on from Kyle Schwarber, but I don't know that I see. I mean, you can let Castellanos walk and you can, and you like, you, you kind of know what you would get out of Castellanos if you resigned him. There's a floor. Yeah. There's a happy medium between this, right. which would be great. Nine homers in 25 games. I think that's pretty good. And what he's, what he was in Detroit. Right. The he's, ceiling. Wrigley will make him better than Detroit. So he'll be a better player. But he's not this. Right? Yeah. This as long as you can, because it's great. The ceiling on him is not Schwarber's ceiling. Like you could give up on Schwarber and then all of a sudden he does become Joey Gallo and he hits forty two home runs, which he which he got hot, he might get close to this year. Yeah. But raises his average a bit, walks a little bit more. And yeah, he's never gonna hit more than two fifty. But if he hits that with like a three seventy on base and a five thirty Slugging, you're going to be like, oh, that's a player we need, <laughs> you know, and uh, you would feel bad about that. But I don't know what they're going to do. He's also cheap, and he's cheap for a little more, and I feel like that has to enter into their thinking. Yeah, I think my problem with trading him is that unless, um, unless Jed gets a job somewhere, or uh, Jaron Madison gets a job somewhere. Or Jason McLeod gets a job somewhere. Jason McLeod. No other GM values him as much as close to as much as the Cubs do, which right. means you can't. You're not going to get the value that you think he's worth if you trade him. So you literally just you just give up on him. 
Yeah, that's essentially something for him, and I, I just that's that's not a uh, that shouldn't be. They can't do it. He got even if he yeah. becomes a part-time player, he's worth more to you as a part-time player than whatever you'd get for him. I think. I suppose you're also gonna weigh on what happens in these last four weeks. Now, if he continues to do this for September and basically helps carry you into the playoffs, that will have value as well. So what if next year he hit 251 with okay. a 343 on base and a 528 slugging? Would you take almost that? A, almost a 900 OPS. Yes. Almost. Because he'd be 2019 Jorge Soler. Yeah, I mean, I, I would take it for what you're outlaying for him, which is nothing. He's arbitration eligible, right? But he's not going to make much. Yeah, he's not going to. Which leads into my next point, <laughs> my next discussion topic, which came out today. And it's looking a little ahead when we still have a lot of baseball left. But again, the listening to offers on Chris Bryant monster reared its ugly head this afternoon. Yeah, because Jeff Passan needed a fourth bullet point in his argument. <laughs> right. But with everything we know about the Rickets, <laughs> like so... I'm not ruling it. Now, you can't trade Chris Bryant for anything more than 75 cents on the dollar. Right. I don't care what the prospect package is. I don't care what – like, there are, like, two guys I would trade it for. It's Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. And maybe you do that deal straight up and, okay, there's your center fielder. Um, and I might consider Fernando Tatis with other players. But, like, that's it. That's it. So – you sort of do have to plan for when you're going to have to pay this guy a lot of money. So having Schwarber cheap kind of helps with that. Although is he a free agent at the same time? Probably. But he'd make less than Castellanos is going to make on the open market now. Well, Kyle would be at least, he's at least a year behind. I don't know how the year long DL in 2016. I mean, I would assume they demoted him. I don't remember, but we can look. I don't this even up. know if that's how it works. Maybe you I don't can. Know. I don't think you can. Yeah, you can't. That so he's at least right. Kyle's at least a year. You you at least get the first year of Bryant would be cheap, Kyle. At least. All right. So the earliest he can be a free agent is 2022. Kyle. Yeah, and he his first year because yeah, Bryant and Javi and those guys are all 21. You're right. His first year of arbitration eligibility is this year, which he's not going to make more than three, four, five million dollars. I would think. Um, as a first-year player. So you have to consider that. But um, the whole Bryant stuff, I just I just can't fathom it happening, especially because by the time you sign him to whatever contract, you're going to have a new CBA. Yeah. Or certainly one right after. So you don't know. Yeah, you could be that it's – you negotiate yourself into a much better position right. to keep him. You don't know what the luxury tax threshold. I have to imagine the union is going to push to move that up, to raise it. If if they really had the stones, they'd strike and get rid of it altogether. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, you know, the rickets are willing to raise the payroll as long as there's not that silly tax on top of it. I would think. No, don't quote me on that. I mean, I think Theo can just go to well, at least Todd. If Todd has any signature power, this would work. He does not. You just go to Todd and you say, all right, in order to afford Bryant, we have to waive Drew Smiley four times this year. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Let's do it. 
I don't think Tom has any authority, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, he just has to go into... I, why do I always get the feeling that when they go ask Joe for money, he's like he's in his bathrobe, on his bed, reading six newspapers and smoking a pipe, and they have to go in and go, we need another $20 million. Right. And then he throws the newspaper at them, and they have to... They and they have, to, they have to come up with excuses that they're never questioned about to the to the press. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's I. It's not going to happen. I can't imagine. No, they're, they're know, ever doing that. Honestly, they're better off playing him the next two years and trying to. You know, well, obviously, you want to sign him before, but Scott Boris is going to be like, no, we our my, our boy is going on the market, and then you can. Try to well, you also have to see what his next two years are like. Now, he's still a great player, but we're two years removed from MVP level. He's not going to get there this year. Um, and so if the next two years are like this, he's expensive, but he's not trout money. Right. He's not $40 million a year. Um, and even if he's $35 million a year, I'm awfully curious what Anthony Rizzo's next contract will look like. Because what is the market for an aging first baseman with a bad back? It's it's funny you should bring that up because I had the unfortunate um, luck today of getting in the car three different times Look, when Jesse Rogers was on. Yeah, don't do that. And I heard the evolution of his argument, which was tr- which was a window into whatever. Well, the first one was he they whoever he was on with in the morning. I guess it must have been Cap. They, um, That's a window you put some blinds down on, i got to say. They both decided that tonight's game with Syndergaard and Hendricks, easy money, pound the under. Which well, I well re- done. really enjoyed. Because betting, ba- betting baseball is always a sound strategy. It always works out. Then when he was on with um, whoever was uh, in for... S.P. Rose. Who, <laughs> then when he was on with whoever was in for Carmen and Yurko, they were asking about... Rizzo's back and if it's the same injury as normal and he said no it's higher up and blah 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 and they were like well isn't this the kind of thing that's just going to keep getting worse and he's like well yeah I mean it's been bothering him for years and he keeps missing all these games and it's just going to get worse and I thought to myself yeah but it's the only time he ever misses games I'm not really that worried about it and then when right. I got back in the car to go home he was on with, with Waddle and Sylvie and he was doubling down on how now that Rizzo's old, this is going to get worse. Well, since 2015, he's played in 160, 155, 157, and 153 games. Yeah. So, yes, he does have a bad back, but it usually bothers him for a week. He has a week back yeah. for a week. And then he gets... Like the rest of us. Yes, and then he gets over it. He's going to get... You know, he's he's getting old. Older. Older, not old yet. So that would be a factor. I wouldn't be terribly worried about him being injury prone. No, I'm not. I'm not. Any, no, I'm just saying when you brought it up, it reminded me of Jesse basically but, bailing on him now saying, Oh, you know, he'll never play He'll never play 60 games again. Right. Season. Well, there's always been this doomsday scenario of 2021. There's seven year window when all these guys come up for free agency that there's no way they can keep them. But again, we've seen how the market works. And again, this will depend on a new CBA. Oh, well, Luke, she, he agrees um, that even Anthony Rizzo on the free agent market is not guaranteed anything. I mean, Josh Donaldson, yeah. 
who has an MVP, who is about the same age as Rizzo will be, had to sign a one-year deal for $20 million. Yeah. And I could see that, Rizzo being in that. You could, you could easily see that. Mar- March comes and he still doesn't have a team. Right. You could easily see the Cubs saying, look, we'll give you $22 million for three years, and that being the best offer you can get, and then you bring in Bryant for 35 or whatever, and then I'm happily spending the Ricketts money here. And then who is it? Contreras and Baez, you know. Okay, that's four guys probably around $100 million. But that's what it costs these days. That's not insurmountable. Well, and you by get them, around that. But see, by then, the master plan takes hold, and they have all this cheap pitching. That they, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's the right. part that didn't work. That's the part that didn't work. Whoops. But you should be able to fill out the rest of the lineup with affordable guys. Yeah. With uh, Well, and look, I mean, you've already got your star signed after 2020. When you got David Bodie locked up. Right. So what else do you need, so really? You, got, you have the cornerstone, and now you just have to add around him. He is the... He is the sun around which all the planets will orbit. <laughs> I just, I mean, like, you're, you're right. You throw in the listening to offers for Chris Bryant because you want to round out your article, clicks, whatever. But there's just, there just isn't a trade package out there that would work. There just isn't. Unless it's actually Mike Trout. I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah, because if he, so you trade Bryant and you get, you know, maybe a couple of established, good young players, nobody great, and a prospect. And then you be like, oh, this looks great, until you make your lineup out and you realize, oh, it doesn't have Chris Bryan in it. Right. Oh, shit, that's the part we forgot. That's the part we forgot. We don't have Chris Bryan. These guys would be great if we had him, but we got <laughs> we... them for him. <laughs> right. We don't have a replacement. Um, the idea that, like, they need to, like, reset – I mean, okay – this is the point I forgot to mention. Coming out of that Washington series, there was way too much blow up the team talk. Yeah, that's ridiculous. This team is competitive for the next two years, as is now. Like a little more things could go right, and it'd be just as it'd be more competitive than it is now. It yeah. only needs a few tweaks here and there. And honestly, the reason last offseason didn't work, and we saw it, we saw it coming. We watched it not working. Right. Was that they had the the good core, and you know, Javi. Has you know he has been up and down this year, but when he's been up, he's been great. So yeah. he's he's been fine. Rizzo, Bryant, Wilson, except for when he keeps. Will you, first wait. of all, you've had you've had a mostly healthy Bryant, yes. and you've had a much better Wilson Contreras this year. Yeah, your team is worse because of everything that's around. Right, it's, it's because you didn't because have because you didn't, you decided not to spend any money on pe- like the obvious move in the off season was we have a big hole at second base, sign. Bring back Gordo's boyfriend, DJ LeMahieu. That was an obvious move. He would have come back. He signed for two years, $12 million a year with the Yankees, which is below his market right. for a guy who won a batting title. But the Cubs signed Daniel Descalso instead. Well, they thought they had Ben Zobrist. Yeah, but even time. then, he had a 38-year-old Ben Zobrist. So even, <laughs> right. with, even without the divorce, you could, how many games did you think you could squeeze out of him at second base? What, however many games they squeezed out of him last year. I thought they handled him brilliantly last year, and they got a great season yeah. out of him. But yeah, you signed Daniel Descalso, and oh my, oh yeah, it's my ankle's fault. That's why I suck, even though I've always sucked. Yes. Um, we had one power year in Arizona and acted like he right. saw, oh, I figured it all out. No, he had one good year. So, yes, well, you, you know, 
if they didn't sign TJ LeMay simply so Phil Rogers couldn't say anything, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, oh, good. There's the Jeff McNeil. We can't get out. I like being up nine runs when they do that, though. So I think, well, that's, that's most of what I came to the table with today, I think. If I think of anything, I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, I had another thing. I Please. If if Kyle Hendricks is so smart, uh-huh. and he's the professor. <laughs> he's from Dartmouth. He's the professor. He went to an Ivy League school, you know. How come he can't figure out how to throw harder? Shouldn't he be able to figure out how to throw 100 <laughs> miles an hour? If he's... <laughs> So I don't know. How, I don't think he's as smart as he says he is. Well, if you gave him a chemist set, he probably could figure out. But yeah, God true. knows how long. I wonder what if PEDs were legal, what Kyle Hendricks would look like, because he would know exactly what to take and how to take it. Let's be honest; they are legal. You just have to know which ones to take. Well, except for uh, uh, gas station boner pills. But we know, yeah, gas we station know boner pills are, are not legal. Uh, also, oh. everything apparently based on who gets suspended. Everything is legal if you're white. Yes, it's true. Um, so he can take whatever he wants. Well, it, I was debating with Joe Sheehan again today, which I shouldn't do because I do love his newsletter, but he always has some things I disagree with. And he kept he kept referring to Kyle Hendricks as a number three or number four starter. Now, to me, when over the past five seasons you have the NL's 12th best ERA and 10th best whip, you're more than a number three starter, I'd say, as he gives up back-to-back homers. He, all, he actually okay. missed He missed giving up three in a row by a foot. Three, by a foot, yes. One hit the top of the wall for a double. Yes. But he's up six runs, so you can do that. Yeah. Anyway, I think calling him a number three starter That's is ridiculous. giving him short shrift because we're at five seasons of this now. And okay, the start might not come out great in the wash, but um, overall, he's been as consistent as just about anyone below the top tier, which makes, in my mind, makes him a number two start. Yes, and um, you know he's everything you want in your number two. He's durable, somewhat. He has had DL time. Yeah, but I guess he missed quite a bit last year. Two years ago. Two years ago. Missed exactly. a full all- month. It's all blurred together. Right. And he had an IL stint this year, which lasted close to a month, I believe. Um, but yeah, but that's that's just, you know, that's water cooler argument stuff we don't need to get into. But I thought it was curious. Anyway, yeah. this team now, month ago, let's go. <laughs> so. He's a great guy to take out in the fourth inning of a World Series game. Yeah, if we talk about this anymore, my friend Dan is going to have his head explode. And I really don't want to be responsible for his death. I think he's in a wedding in a week, too. I don't want to have to explain to the people who are in the wedding that uh, one of their groomsmen had his head explode. And it's my fault. So, Yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that. But anyway, I, I digest. <laughs> I digest. I was... Um... It's going to take him out in the fifth inning here, too. Yeah, they're <laughs> trying like. desperately to get him his win, and he doesn't right. seem to want He doesn't it. seem to want to take it. Although, you're, now you're through the meat of the Mets lineup. Once you get to the fifth hitter, there are outs here. You, know, you can give me Wilson Ramos' 20-game hitting streak all you want. I'm not interested. I'm hanging a big Terry Boards. I'm not interested <laughs> sign on it. 
uh, and the rest of the lineup blows. So anyway, so we don't need to panic because they can't. The Cardinals can't keep playing the Brewers, and the Cubs get to play the Brewers a lot over the next week or so. The uh, I don't even know what I wanted to say about the Brewers. <laughs> They're I completely lost. All train of thought. They're toast, and I think they're toast for a very long time. I don't think they're going to be much of a concern next season. No, and it, it's... I mean, I guess they got caught in a... You know, they had a kind of... A, they had a weird lineup last year. They had a weird patched-together pitching staff. And running it all back wasn't going to work. And doing what they did clearly also didn't work. Didn't work. Wait, I, wait, I remember I had one last point. I wrote about this today. And so you had Theo before the game last night coming out and saying, well, we've, we've got to turn it on. We've got to find a new level, that whole shtick. Yeah. And I wrote about it today, and I'm like, well, I think after 131 games, this, this is what you are. <laughs> there, I don't know that there is another level. And the reason there isn't another level is because of the guys you've put around your team, your supporting cast. Like, I don't know that you can – I mean, okay, Brian isn't playing at an MVP level, but he's playing very well. Rizzo's hurt, but he was playing very well. Like, they're, they're getting more than enough out of the main four to be a very good team. It's everyone else who – like, when we're greeting Jason Hayward's 800 OPS season barely – like some returning Roman emperor. <laughs> we know that's a problem. And I don't really get on Theo's case for the Hayward signing because I liked it at the time. I don't think anyone envisioned it would work out this badly. No. My uh, my complaint about it at the time was you paid a good player, great player's money, and mm-hmm. expected him to become a great player. That was a very, it seemed like a very Jim Hendry thing. Right. Which is if we, if we, he's not a $20 million player, but if we pay him $20 million, he becomes one. No, he becomes a $12 million player who you're paying who you're overpaying. $20 million. And if he were making 15 or $18 million, maybe you'd care less. Yeah. And the concern I had was not Hayward so much as what does paying him that much mean you can't afford? Mm-hmm. What part do you miss because you overpaid him? And it's to some extent, we don't know exactly. Oh. We don't know exactly how this would have worked, but uh, yeah. So you know, I I feel like because Theo is so accessible and he's out there and he'll come talk to you. He's also great at deflecting what should be going to him. Like he's great at like, well, I'm out here talking, so it can't be my fault. For my fault, I would be hiding. Yeah, I always wonder when he does that. I'd like to be in the room that he leaves and the room he comes back to. Right. Given though, all right, listen to the listen to the bullshit I'm going to give them, and then when he comes back. <laughs> did you hear that bullshit? Did, did you hear that? How bullshit was my again? How was my bullshit? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm curious. I, someone was asking me how come Jed Hoyer doesn't get any play. I'm like, a Jed Hoyer can't go take a piss without Theo's permission, <laughs> right? I mean, like. I don't even know what it is Jed Hoyer does. I know he's got the title and everything, but, uh, you know, that 
I, I, everything they do, they must do together. Well, that was like the, the article in The Athletic today about the um, conflict of interest with like Jessica Mendoza doing Sunday night games and working for the Mets and David Ross doing games and working for the Cubs. The yeah, part I was hoping would be in there is what do they actually do <laughs> for the Mets or the Cubs? If they don't do anything, which is what I suspect they do, there's <laughs> no conflict of interest. Why do you think the teams and the ESPN are cool with it? Because they just have a title. I don't think right. they do anything. And then the one thing that they said, well, like David Ross helped scout Craig Kimbrell. Who the hell needed to scout Craig Kimbrell? <laughs> I've got all the numbers. Did you have a TV the last 10 years? <laughs> yeah, right. I have the tape. That's how you scouted Craig Kimbrell. Right. Like, did he go watch his workouts at whatever high school he was at? He did, but I'm sure it was, sound, sounds like he's throwing hard. Yeah, right. Sign him. <laughs> did he even have a radar gun? <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's the good stuff. I mean, I don't think they do anything either. And when did we count on ESPN to be a journalistic entity? I don't think anyone looks at it like that anymore, especially for their baseball coverage, no. which has always been yeah. like half-assed. Well, uh, game coverage of any kind is, you know, you put a mildly concussed football player in the booth on Monday night. Or two of them. Yeah. And then one of them decides he hasn't had enough concussions and he goes back to work to get some more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not where the hard-hitting... I, I can't imagine where there would actually be a conflict. which is So yeah. I was very much amused by that whole thing. Yeah, that's good stuff. And then we found out the only scoop in it was that A-Rod doesn't actually work for the Yankees anymore. Did he ever? He did. He had like a he had like a Kerry Wood contract, a special oh. assistant thing, and it has since expired. And so now he just does the normal Yankee alumni crap. Right. Wait, that Yankee thing is like you come in and fill in on yes for like three innings when like Paul O'Neill has to go bust a Gatorade cooler or something. Or I mean, they had like eight different analysts on yes. Anyway, it's like Cone and O'Neill. Lighter comes back. Uh, so you're just you're just in the rotation. That's what that contract means, right? Yeah, because you never know who's, especially if you don't see the beginning. It takes you three innings to figure out who's there, right? Who is it this time? And when it's um, well, Paul O'Neill is the one that sounds like Jack a bullhorn. Flaherty once in a while, you're like you have no chance <laughs> right. of figuring out who it is. Um, yeah. That's well, that's what you can look forward to on Marquee is Sports. Is it Marquee Sports or is it just Marquee Network? I don't think they know yet. There is going to be so much programming for old cockers in Iowa on that thing. Like, there's going to be, like, like the month of December is just going to be 1969 month. And they're just going to, like, have interviews with whoever's left and, like, replay, like, every game, you know, or, like, most games. Like, that. I well, oh, man, it's going to be so creepy and weird. Yes, and that's going to be a lot of them just – randomly shuffling videos from their YouTube channel. <laughs> right. Oh, here's the here's the breakdown of the Bodie Grand Slam again for the it's ninth be, time this week. It's going to be 24-7 of what, when they give the Hawks, like, their, like, half an hour show <laughs> on CS or NBCSN, where it's like, oh, it's Black Hawks All Access or whatever, and it's just their website and YouTube videos on TV. But Marquis is going to be that for, like, five months. But you won't have your rotating cast of weirdo analysts because JD's not going anywhere. He he's entrenched. Yeah, I think 
you know, we we know Dempster will have some kind of Oh role. god. I'm sure he'll do pre and post. I would almost guarantee he'll do some kind of bargain basement baseball bunch mm-hmm. with Clark. The, or hopefully, the morning show. The more like the morning show they do on MLB Network. Yeah, hopefully one one of the two of them wears pants. Do you think the Yankees have so many analysts because no one can stand sitting next to Michael K <laughs> okay. for like more than like four days? Well, the the physical size of his head, I would think <laughs> it just gets very crowded in it's there. It's hard to breathe. Yeah. yeah, it's like all right, guys. I this was four hour game. I'm going to need four days off. I got to catch. I, I literally and, have to catch my breath. And then real sports on HBO a show I generally really like does the the full treatment for John Sterling. Who cares other than Brian Gumble? I don't care about John Sterling. Do you care about John Sterling? I I like to listen to um, him and Susan. Susan, <laughs> Susan Waldman. George's box. <sighs> um, as I sigh, as the lead is now 10 to 6. Oh, you're ahead of me here. You can't keep doing this. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, that broadcast is so bad <laughs> that I find it... A, I'm so happy that Yankee fans are subjected to it. And B, since it's not the team I actually listen to, I can just enjoy how hack it is. Right. And there's no other way. Susan adds nothing. And John is all, he's 100% shtick. Um, The best is now that he's, you know, he's 80. So his eyes aren't great. And any ball to the wall... He, he's he got a 50-50 shot. He's going to get it right. So you get a lot of home run calls for balls that are either caught or hit the wall. And you get a lot of, well, that's the third out of the inning. And then he can't understand why the runner is still running around the bases. And then he realizes it's a home run. So that's always entertaining. Yeah, well, that's that's the Yankee experience, I guess. But you can't, but like everything with the Yankees is so epic and entrenched and so historic. They can't do anything about it. Oh, no. John Sterling, clearly the greatest radio announcer of all time because he's the Yankees radio announcer. You know, it's like the Maple Leafs. It must be great because. Well, and I guess this, one of the great moments in John Sterling Yankee history was when there was there were years there where Charlie Steiner and him were splitting up the play-by-play duties. Mm-hmm. Steiner is actually good. Yes. And... In Game 7 of the ALCS in 2003, the the Aaron Boone at bat was during Charlie's inning. They were trading off in extra innings. Okay. And so he gets the call for the pennant-winning walk-off home run, and apparently Sterling bolted into the – came running from wherever he was into the thing <laughs> to yell in the background his home run call. So that's, that's apparently wonderful. you can hear give and you've heard it, Aaron Boone, and you've heard right. that call. But apparently if you if it, if it, if you let, if they run it for just a few more seconds, all of a sudden the door wide open and you hear, <laughs> it is high, it is far. Maybe he just, maybe he just ran in and did the Yankees win, but he did something, and they're like, oh, for Christ's sake. You know? <laughs> They've won how many World Series since you've been there? You've called plenty. Just let right. Charlie have his and knock that's, it off. That's Oh, God, that's fantastic. I never heard that story. Um, well, anyway, well, there's our tight 40. Yep. Uh, we probably need to go man this Cubs game because all of a sudden it's up for grabs. Yeah, that's a four-run lead. Right, and this bullpen can easily blow a four-run lead. 
So, but it's the Mets bullpen too. They can they can extend this. And I, so. I it might very well be Brad Brock, who just it, came. Well, in he the finished the inning, right? So, anyway, we're doing we're doing the Francesa play by play on the radio show. We can't. Yeah, do that. people listening to it are like, we know what happened. It was on <laughs> right. four days ago. Shut up. Shut up. All right, then. Till next week. Good yep. luck on your Bears podcast. Yes, thanks. Don't have to. Um, I will have a fantasy football draft by the time I talk to you next. So uh, we, can run be... through, we can go through it pick by pick because people love nothing. People like more than hearing other people's man. People talk picks. about that shit all the time. Like I don't even like talking about my fantasy league with the people I'm in it with. But oh man, it's like as if it wasn't completely random. I just use, it's an excuse to get drunk with your friends one night. It's like yeah. I need one. Um, and talk shit on Facebook. Like I need one. So, all right. All right, well, well until next week. Until we meet again. All right, see ya. Later.